are you excited about going? Or, you know, and questions like that. And let me, let me just tell you straight up front that I am and I'm not. Um, and why, why I say that is because this weekend we're going to talk about some heavy stuff. I mean, there's just no two ways about it. And it's stuff that's very personal to me. Uh, especially tomorrow with the guys. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you some things about myself in, in the course of our conversation that's not easy to talk about um, because it's, it involves sin and um, the pain I've caused other people. And I know that some of you are sitting there right now Thinking about the pain that you've caused other people. And I know some of the other of you are sitting there in pain because of what this sin has done to you and your family and somebody that you love. And those things are just hard. I mean, there's no two ways about it. Let's just put that right out there. This is hard stuff. And tonight, I... I I'm going to try to to be gentle and not say things that, that might be offensive to anybody. I'm, I'll tell you right now, tomorrow, I'm with just the guys. I won't be nearly as concerned. I, I don't want to be sensational. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to be vulgar. But, but guys, we got to understand what we're talking about. And I want you to know that I, I understand what we're talking about. And so I, I just want to say that right up front. Um, but thanks be to God that the elders here, and I really do appreciate them tremendously having the vision and the wisdom to try to put something together like this. Um, for far too long, we pretended like that this didn't really even exist. And, and to appreciate the eldership's vision here to say, hey, look, we understand this is an issue. We understand this is a real issue in a lot of your lives and to help give you these tools to change. And that's what I want to also focus on and for you to think about right up front. Even though this is draining and it's hard, I'm going to say some things that are hard to say and it's going to be hard for you to hear them. But don't let the pain of sin and confession obscure the power of God to change and to heal. Because ultimately that's what this is about. And where I want to begin tonight is I want to begin talking about some truths about sexual immorality. Yeah, this is billed as purity. Absolutely, that's the thing. We're really going to talk here about sexual purity. And what we're really talking about sexual purity is we're really talking about not being sexually immoral. And so I think a good place for us to go, and if you have a, a, a ribbon or something in your Bible, you can mark Proverbs 5 tonight. Because we're going to walk our way through Proverbs 5 and listen to what Solomon tells us about sexual immorality. And we're going to make some points and talk about these things and show you that Solomon absolutely knew what he was talking about. And this is going to be the basis to kind of help us set up this weekend to bring real change into our lives. 
Um, and I, wanna, I don't want to read, I'm not going to read the whole thing to begin with. I thought about that, d- doing that. We're going to read sections and then we'll talk about um, the sections. So I want to begin by reading Proverbs 5, 1 to 6. Solomon says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding. That you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey. Her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to the down to death her steps lay hold of hell lest you ponder her path the path of her life and in her ways are unstable you do not know them some of your translations end with she does not know them and we'll talk about that in just a second but i want you to notice the first thing that solomon says is pay attention to my wisdom listen to what i have to say you all understand solomon knew something about sexual morality right i mean he is the daughter of bathsheba right so the man knew something about sexual morality also he had 700 wives And 300 concubines. That's who this man is. He knows something about sexual morality. So then that kind of leads me to this next thing. Well, so why should you listen to me? You know, why should you listen to to Teresa, the sisters who are going to listen to Teresa tomorrow afternoon? Why should you listen to us? I'm going to tell you first and foremost, we are not experts. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. My degree is in industrial technology. How I got to be a preacher is a whole different story. <laughs> but but I, that's, that's why I am. That's what we are. We are teachers. And in that role as teachers, first of all, we had opportunity to talk to a lot of people about sexual morality. One of the really cool things that, that you all know about because of our prior relationship, or many of you know about, the truth and I get the opportunity to work four camps a year. Where we are dealing with uh, young people from 12 years old, sometimes even 11 to 19 is kind of normally the range at, at one of the camps. Some of the campers go all the way up to 30, and believe me, they need to be there at 30. <laughs> um, so we had an opportunity to talk to a lot of young people uh, about sexual morality. But the real reason we've had that opportunity is because... As married, as a married couple, we've had to deal with this sin in our marriage. And it's because of me. It's because of me. Before I, I met Teresa, I was guilty of sexual morality in, in, in many forms. Uh, I have a son. By the grace of God, he's a Christian. But I had him before I met Teresa. And I was not married to his mom. Um, I remember the first time I found the Playboy magazine in my dad's closet. Uh, I try to forget it. But I haven't. 
I bought my first home computer because I knew that I could get pornography on it. After Teresa and I got married, I continued to view pornography for years. I knew it was wrong. I knew it was bad. I knew I shouldn't be doing it. But I didn't know what to do. I knew I had to do something. And so I remember very vividly finding out about there was software that you could get on your computer that could keep you from seeing pornography. And I knew I needed it. But Teresa wrote the checks. So how am I going to pay $69.95 to get this software for my computer and not tell Teresa I've been looking at pornography? I've got two boys at home. That's going to be to protect them. That's what I said. I, I remember the conversation like it was yesterday. Hey, we need to get this net nanny for our computers. Well, why? The only computer we have is yours and the one that's in the living room. And I monitor the kids when they're on it. I had to say, because it's for me. I don't ever want to see the look on her face ever again. I could have smacked her full in the mouth and not hurt her as bad as I did that day. And the next couple of weeks were hard. Man, they were hard. Next couple of months were a little better, but still hard. But we, we, we had a commitment to each other. And I thank God that she's the woman that she is. And so I started doing more things. I started reading books. Started trying to make some real changes in my life. And again, I remember this as, as clear as day. It was... October 2006, I'm sitting in the middle of a field in a state park in Tennessee with a bunch of homeschool dads. And I haven't looked at pornography in five months. I have not looked at anything in five months. That's the longest in my life at that point from the time that I was 12 when I saw my dad's Playboy that's the longest I had ever been without looking at pornography. So I'm in this big circle with all these homeschool dads. And we're all going around the circle talking about what we need to pray for. And, and so as it's going around, I'm hearing dads and they're saying, hey, I need to be a better dad. Hey, I've got this issue at work. And would you pray for me about that? And if you've ever done this kind of thing, it's like you tell the guy right here what you want him to pray for and he prays for you and then you just keep going around well i know (laughs) i know what i'm going to ask for but i have never publicly said i have a problem with pornography the only person i've ever even said that at all to was Teresa. but i know that's what i'm going to say and i am shaking like a leaf and the man who is sitting beside me 
And he kept looking at me and saying, what's wrong, dude? I'm like, shut up, leave me alone. Shut up, just, just leave me alone. And so it came to me. And for the first time in my life, I said publicly, I had struggled with pornography my entire life, and I had been five months without looking at pornography. Would you please pray for me that I will never look at pornography again? And Tim Beckley was the guy, and he's not a little fella. (laughs) He reached over in my lawn chair and grabbed me and just pulled me in, and I cried like a baby the whole time he prayed for me. And then I had a moment, and here was the moment. Walking away from that group of men, thinking I was the biggest loser alive, think every man in that circle came to me and said I wish we could have gone around the circle one more time because they were struggling with it too and, and since then, I can't tell you how many times I sat down with somebody my age and talked about this. And he said, I thought I was the only one. Now, maybe, maybe I've even said too much there. But the reason I'm saying this here and now is, again, for two reasons. For the men, I want you to understand. Dude, I get it. I am you. And for the ladies, I want you to understand something. My wife understands what it's like to find out the man she loved was looking at other women like that. And so, I want you to understand that what I'm going to be talking about this week is not theory. Not things I've heard about. It's things I've experienced. I'm going to tell you what's worked for me to get myself to the position where I can say, I don't look at pornography anymore. And I want you to understand that I've had to do some hard things. And I want you to understand that Teresa's had to endure some hard things. And without her support, I wouldn't be here. I needed her every step of the way. And so when she tells you things... She's not talking about theory. She's talking about things that, that, that we, under, we understand. And again, I just want you to know that. But you know what? If I didn't have that, you know what I do have? I've got the scriptures. And I've got the scriptures. And listen, you need to understand something. This is a prevalent sin in the Old Testament. Do you know that sexual sins are mentioned two or three times as much in the New Testament as something like murder? Think about how old this sin. I mean, sexual immorality is an old, old sin. It goes back, I think maybe the first time we can really point to it is Lamech, because he had multiple wives, right? And then think, think how it just moves forward. Sodom and Gomorrah. The, the golden calf. What were they doing at the golden calf? Balaam and the women of Moab. By the way, this is very interesting. It was Del Smelter, if you know who he is, pointed this out. Do you realize how often sexual immorality is connected with false religion? Even in the scriptures? 
So it really shouldn't surprise us today when we see churches accepting homosexuality and other things that are sexually immoral. Because that's the way false religion tends to work. And even in the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to talk about one of those passages. Jesus talks about lust and adultery. The letter that the church at Jerusalem wrote about we weren't telling people to, to uh, preach circumcision. But listen, you know, here's something you need to do. Abstain from sexual immorality. So it's, a, it's an old sin and it's a prevalent sin among us. And again, I think I don't always talk about this next point. As a matter of fact, I, this is the first time I've, I've, I've done anything like this. Because I, I want to help you understand, and especially the ladies. Look, I don't have to convince dudes that this is a big deal among us. Because we know. We know. But I think sometimes it, it's helpful for, for maybe, maybe, some, maybe some older men. Um, but sometimes it's helpful for ladies to understand how prevalent this really is in our society. Um, do you know that three of the top 20 most visited websites on the planet are porn sites? By the way, I don't use the word porn very often. I will use it to say porn sites, but like mostly I, say, I talk about pornography because I think some people think porn is cool. And there is nothing cool about sexual morality. But I'll use the word porn site. Now, if you take out, so three of the top 20 say, oh, well, that's not so horrible. Well, if you take out all of the social media sites and search engines, these three sites then become number three, number six, and number seven. And it's interesting that that it's number three. Number one, the number one most visited Website on the planet is YouTube. Number two is Wikipedia, both of which contain explicit images. So the top three websites on the planet contain pornography. Kind of interesting, kind of horribly interesting, right? Just one of those websites, and I'm not going to give any names. And if you think you know what it is, keep your mouth shut because somebody around you might not. So don't give that to anybody else. But that number one, the number one site in America, they they claim to have 42 billion visits a year. I did some research. There's like eight million people on the eight billion people on the planet right now. Five billion of them have access to the internet. And 42 billion visits to that one site. That same site, and by the way, they brag about this. They brag about the fact that they have over 10 million videos spanning over 1.5 million hours of pornography. By the way, just so you know how long 1.5 million is, if you sat down and started watching it today, you'd be done in 170 years. 170 years. And, brethren, that's one site. That's one website. That one website uh, gets more traffic than eBay, Twitter, Instagram, ESPN, CNN, and Fox News. Crazy. Our children 
are being exposed at a very, very young age. It, the, the, the studies say it's really kind of hard to tell exactly when kids are first uh, exposed to pornography. There was a 2020 study, a study that found 84% of boys and 57% of girls 14 to 18 have seen pornography. My own anecdotal evidence is kind of would back that up. When I talk when I 12 year old boys at camps usually haven't seen pornography. 14 year old boys usually have. And that's all I will say. It's just usually. I'm not because there are some who haven't and praise God for that. And if you haven't I'm going to tell you something. If you haven't looked at pornography, you're, you're, you're my hero. And, and there's, a, there's a man that I know, uh, never looked at pornography, never been sexually immoral, maybe lusting, he said, but and he, he's one of my heroes. Man, I wish I could say that. Um, this is recent. A recent study in the UK found that 75% of parents believed that their children had never encountered pornography when actually 53% of those kids had. So 75% of parents say, no, my kids haven't seen pornography. Half of those kids actually have. Um, I'm just going to tell you straight. I'm not trying to... I, I don't want to say this is true of everybody. I don't want to say this is true of everybody. But I will say this. If your son is 15... And he has a smartphone. He's probably looked at pornography on it. Again, I'm not trying to throw every kid under the bus. But I want you to know that that's how prevalent this is. If you had a class of ten boys, that would mean eight of them have seen pornography. So, can you see why it's important to talk about this? It's happening already. And so it's important for us to talk about it and equip ourselves in dealing with it. And right here, let me say something about this as well. Listen, no family is perfect. This sin has been affecting families since before the flood. And, and your, your, your family may be dealing with this. It may, and it hurts. Man, it hurts. I hate Satan and what he does with us with this sin. But if your family has been affected by this, listen, first of all, it's not wrong to grieve, but at the same time, I don't want you to think that somehow your family's ruined or that you're helpless or hopeless because that's not true at all. You're not a failure because somebody in your family has looked at pornography, has been sexually immoral. Listen, what your family needs is grace. What your family needs is the Lord. And with His help, you can get through this. Now, I've spent a lot of time on this first point because I just really want you to get this first. Well, we won't, you know, we're not, not going to be for an hour and a half, maybe an hour and ten, but we'll be all right. <laughs> um, here's something else that Solomon says. Solomon says that he reminds us that this, this sexual immorality, is, this, is, this is an illusion. It's a trap. In verse 3, he's, you know, in, in 1 and 2, he says, listen to me. And in verse 3, he says, listen, the, the lips of a, I like the, I think it's this New American Standard that says strange woman. 
I like, he, he says, the lips of a strange woman and a moral woman dip honey, drip honey. Her mouth is smoother than oil, but in the, in the end, she is as bitter as wormwood, as sharp as a two-edged sword. Solomon acknowledges, hey, she looks good. No doubt about it. She looks good. But what you have to understand is she is not what she seems to be. Yeah, she looks like honey, but she tastes like wormwood. And I want you to understand something about pornography. If you're viewing pornography, I want you to understand there's nothing real about pornography. There's nothing. And I, I, I'm, again, I'm be very careful here. But you know that like a 15-minute scene in a, in a, in a, porn, uh, in a pornography video takes hours to shoot. So there's nothing real about that. And it's all fake. And it's not the way God intended it to be. But you know, part of understanding this is an illusion, this is a trap, is to realize that we are really the problem. The problem is not that there is pornography everywhere. The problem is not that there is this proliferation of, uh, of immodesty around us. That is not the problem. We are the problem. We as consumers are the problem. Sexual immorality is our problem. It's interesting how often Solomon talks about, you need to do this, you need to do this. And so we have to understand what sexual immorality says about us and what it's doing to us. Don't you understand that sexual immorality actually reveals some things about us that we need to deal with? Being sexually immoral is arrogant. Maybe it's just because I'm looking at something I think I deserve to look at when I don't have any right to look at it. It is selfish because it's all about me. And again... I'm not going to be graphic, but but you know what I'm talking about when I say when you view pornography and take it to the next step, that's the most selfish thing that you can do. Because you don't care about what you're doing to that girl or that guy, your family, your wife, or your Lord. It's ungrateful. Because, you know, some of us view that as an escape. So you've got to escape from the good life that God gave you. See how ungrateful that is? I don't appreciate what God has given me. Look, if, if you're not married yet, God's given you singleness. And that's a blessing to you. That's a blessing to you to use. If God has given you a wife or a husband, God has blessed you with that. And there's a right place in that relationship. What about, think about lust. Again, lust is my problem. Lust is not the problem with a girl who's dressed immodestly. And I think he even talks uh, about that, about understanding who she really is. And so when we're lusting, we're not seeing things properly. Have you ever thought about this? You know, even like when John talks about the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh, have you ever thought that lust is something that you can never attain. Lust is always something unattainable. Now, I'm very attracted to my wife, so don't get me wrong when I say this, but I don't, I don't lust after her because I don't have to, because she's mine. I can only lust after something that's not mine. And so, 
So already you have this false impression. So so the lust, you have to change what you see. And again, don't you understand that the producers of pornography, they want us to lust and to sin. That's what they want us to do. Immodest men and women want us to lust after them. They want us to sin. And they might not even know what they're really doing to us. And I think that's in verse 6 when he says, when some translation says that she doesn't know, maybe the idea is that she doesn't know that it's really a big deal. But you should, because you know the scriptures. You know real death is spiritual death. So if she's killing you, she might not think she might not think sex is a big deal. She might not think pornography is a big deal. But you do, and it's killing you. And that's what she's trying to do. And if you think about it from that perspective, she's trying to kill you. Well, moving on in the text, let's read 7 to 14. Because in 7 to 14, Solomon says, Therefore, hear me now. You see that? In verse 1, he says, pay attention. And now he says, hear me now, my children, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one. Lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And you mourn at last when your flesh and your body is consumed and say how I have hated instruction and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Here what Solomon is saying is don't you understand there are real consequences to sexual morality. Listen. There are real consequences here. He says, don't give your honor to others. How many times have you heard a preacher say something like this, or a Bible class teacher say something like this? David was a man after God's own heart. Well, except that one time, Bathsheba. Now, first of all, I think he still was a man after God's own heart, but that's what we say. Judah and Genesis 43 and 44 makes two of the greatest speeches in the Bible. But he had Tamar in chapter 38. I've often wondered, if he didn't have Tamar in chapter 38, I wonder if we would preach more sermons about Judah. So their honor is taken away from them. Thousands of years later, you know, David tried to hide his sin with Bathsheba. Thousands of years later, the whole world knows about it and his honor suffers because of it. Every time somebody asks me, well, how many children do you have? And I, I say four. The oldest one is going to be um, 33 this year. And Teresa and I will have been married 32 years. It's not hard to do the math, right? I don't want people to think Teresa did something wrong. So then I have to say, well, listen, my, my older son was born to another woman who wasn't my wife. Every time I, I just, again, thank you, Jesus, that my son is a Christian. But that's kind of how I feel. Do y'all know any preachers who can't preach anymore because of sexual morality? I don't care what you think about him. I don't think a lot of him. 
But the governor of the great state of New York had to step down because of sexual morality. He lost his job as governor because of sexual morality. I know of wives who can't respect their husbands anymore. Children who can't look their dad in the face. Because they gave their honor to a strange woman. And then in verse 9, he also says that you give your years to the cruel one. And here's what I think about that. What a waste, what a colossal waste of resources sexual morality is. If you look at pornography two hours a day every day, you know that's a month in every year. I figure in 20 years, I spent two years of my life looking at pornography. What a horrible waste of time, money, energy, resources. Can you imagine how closer to the Lord you would be if you had spent that two hours a day in study and prayer? And meditation. Do you realize how closer you would be to your family and to your Lord if you spent that time in serving them and others? How closer you'd be to brethren if you spent that time serving them? Verse 9 or verse 10, it's how long some of your translations say, uh, lest your alien, lest foreigners be filled with your strength. And then he goes on to say the labor of your house going to a foreigner. And literally the word is strength, but I think the idea is that other people get your money. Um, Pornography is big business. And you might think to yourself, well, I only go to free sites. Who bought your phone? Who bought your iPad? Who bought your laptop? What a colossal waste of money. In Hosea chapter 2, God talks to the people there about how he's given them all this stuff. And what do they do? They turn around and give it to the Baals. I gave you bread and wine and you gave it to the Baals? I mean, all good gifts come from God, right? So God gives us money. God gives us blessings. And then we turn around and buy something that we can sin with. And then you have this idea of giving your work to somebody else. So so you're working now. I mean, you know, a decent smartphone sets you back 700 bucks. So... You're working to make 700 bucks. You turn around and buy a smartphone so you can look at pornography. When what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1 is giving all diligence. And ultimately what he says is towards holiness. That's where our work should be going. In verse 11, he talks about our flesh and body being consumed. Should it surprise you that sinning against your body leads to your body suffering? 
Who made you? Who said sexual morality was a sin? Who said you reap what you sow? So that's not real surprising, is it? And here's what I want you to understand about how your flesh and body are consumed. First of all, I mean, study after study is coming out to show that pornography warps people's mind. Not just about love and sex. But we are seeing increases in violence directly linked to pornography. Again, I, I want to be very careful talking about this, but um, there, you can actually find out what some of the most popular search terms are. And violent images are near the top. Not only do we have it in that way, but we also have the idea of how pornography warps. And again, these are these are just people. These aren't Christians. These are just people studying the effects of these things, finding out that pornography also warps our minds about body image, self-esteem and even sexual orientation. And that is especially true among girls. The fastest growing segment of pornography consumers are women ages 13 to 22. And because so much pornography is male-centric, it is shot from a male point of view, these girls are watching pornography of women from a male perspective and that then begins to warp them into thinking that they like what they're seeing and therefore I must be a lesbian. And hey, I'm not, I've read the studies, but I've also talked to my wife who have talked to girls from Christian families who've told her those very things. STDs, sexually transmitted diseases, are real. And now, you know, you might think, well, this is a silly thing to talk about. No, it's not. Do you know that 50% of all sexually active people in the United States have had a sexually transmitted disease at one time? Oh, but don't worry if you get one because 90% of the cases clear themselves up in two years. Do you get that? You might have to deal with an STD for two years. And I only know this because I usually say this to boys, but one in four girls under the age of 20 have had an STD. So, that's like putting a round in a revolver, spinning the wheel, and then pointing it to your head and pulling the trigger. Girls do get pregnant. Um, Half of babies born to women under 30 years old are single moms. Born to single moms. One in five teenage girls have confessed to wanting to be a teenage mom. Again, I know that because I usually deal with guys. 
So my point to them is, is a girl who wants to have sex with you, who is pushing you to have sex, more than likely is one of these girls. Why else is she pushing this? There's something else at the end of this section in verses 12 through 14 that I bet some of you recognize when he says, he's talking from the perspective of someone who's given him to sexual morality. And he says, I have hated instruction. My heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and in the congregation. You know he's describing there? He is describing that overwhelming guilt that we feel when we've looked at pornography. You know that feeling? When you're kind of done and you think to yourself, I hate myself. I can't believe I did that again. I hate myself. John, I'm so glad you started with Philippians 4. Because Philippians 4, that's what the Lord wants for you. He he doesn't want you walking around feeling guilty all the time. I think about when I was struggling, when when I was using... And, being, and feeling guilty about it. I, just, I walked around guilty all the time and it sucked so much energy out of me. It, it, it sucked so much time out of me. And, and I would be grumpy with Teresa. I would be grumpy with my kids. All this because I'm, I'm feeling guilty. But what the Lord wants for us is to rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. That's what He wants for us. And don't you understand that when the Lord tells us not to be sexually immoral, when the Lord tells us to be sexually pure, that He's trying to help us rejoice. How many times does Solomon say something like this? Rejoice in the wife of your youth. We're going to read that in just a minute. How many times does he talk about that in Proverbs and in Ecclesiastes? Rejoice. That's what the the Lord doesn't want you walking around guilty. So what I'm hoping that you'll get, I want to give you some things that you can work on to not be walking around guilty all the time because you're going to overcome this sin. And I promise you, you can. Well, let's read the last section and talk about what Solomon talks about here because this is really the, this is, here's the solution and it's radical. It's a radical solution. He says, drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be only for you. Let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving doe and a a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. Let me stop right here. I think that's the English, the ESV says intoxicated. I like that. Be intoxicated with the love of your wife. For why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? Really, the first 
time that Solomon gave us advice about what to do really is back in verse 8 when he says, Remove your way far from her and do not go near to the door of her house. You know what he's saying there? What he's really saying? You want to know what to do to not commit sexual morality? Get away and stay away. Get away and stay away. And that's the first thing that you have to think about. Get away from it. Stop. Stop. And it is just that simple. Now, you need tools to learn how to stop. But ultimately, it's just that simple. And then when he says, drink water from your own cistern, again, I mean, that, that's, that's really kind of graphic, symbolic language there, isn't it? But that's what he's saying. Look, God, God gave you an outlet for your sexual desire. Use it. You know, we often talk about sexual purity. And I don't know how long I've been talking about sexual purity until I realized, well, really what we're talking about is sexual morality. You know, sexual morality is what sexual purity is not. But here's a definition. You, 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 want, you want to know what, when you hear somebody talk about sexual purity, you want to know what sexual purity really is? Well, here it is. Sexual purity means that you don't receive, that you receive no sexual gratification from anything or anybody who is not your husband or your wife. That's it. Sexual purity means you have one outlet. Well, I'm not married yet. Well, you don't have an outlet. Just that simple. You need to be preparing yourself for the day that you do. And if you are married, you have one and only one. And that's it. It's her or it's him. That's where we're trying to get to. Now, before I really move on and, and talk about, make my, my, my real next point, I want to interject this point right here. Because um, it's important for you to understand. And I'm going to tell you straight up. This is something that Teresa asked me to say. And that is that if someone you love is struggling with sexual immorality, you cannot solve it for them. You cannot fix it for them. It has to be them. Again, clearly, Solomon says it's up to me to fix my problem with the Lord's help. But it's up to me. I mean, again, how many? He says, son, listen. He says, you don't do this. You do that. It's all up to me. With the Lord's help. Um, I have stood side by side with many men. Dozens of men in their struggle. To help them. Equip them. Not to commit this sin. Unfortunately. I have also watched many other men. Who really didn't want to change. And all the good things that I could say for them. All the prayers I could offer on their behalf didn't help them because they continued to be enslaved in this sin. If the offender doesn't have the heart to change, there is no advice or help in the world that will get them to change. When the rich young ruler walked away from Jesus, he watched him walk away. He asked Jesus a question. Jesus gave him an answer. 
That was his choice. And I want you to understand that. Now, since Teresa asked me to say that, I want to say this to you guys. Don't be so stupid. Don't be so stupid that you don't take the help that you need. Don't be so arrogant to think you don't need the help. You will never get through this by yourself. Now, I've said, it's up to you to change. Only I can fix me. But you can't do it by yourself. I'll have more to say about that to you tomorrow. But just keep that in mind. also want you to know, hey, this is going to be hard. This is going to be painfully hard. When Jesus talks about lust in the Sermon on the Mount... And how lust is like adultery in your heart. Do you remember what his radical um, solution was to the problem? If you turn over to Matthew 5, verse 27, where he talks about lust. And then in verse 29, he says, If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body be cast into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Cast it from you. It is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body be cast into hell. A kid asked me one time, so Mr. Simon, are you saying that that we should cut off our hands? I said, if you're that stupid, yes. But here's what it really means. This is hard. I mean, again, this is one of those things that the guys are going to understand and maybe some of the women will, but some of the other women don't. There's something comforting. About hurting yourself like that. I mean, it, it, it's it's like it becomes a part of you, and 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 so your body will fight against you, and and it, it's painful at times. It's hard at times to cut this out. But Jesus says, "Cut it out, or go to hell." I mean, what's harder? Not doing this again or having to tell your wife again? I also want you to understand this is a lifelong pursuit. When he talks about the the wife of your youth in verse 18, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Teresa is the wife of my youth, but we're not as young as we used to be. And so when I hear that, when I hear him say that, what, he, what I think he's saying is, look, always being raptured by her. You know, maybe she's not the same when she was 20 when I met her. I'm not the same. But I, I, I'll just tell you all straight up, I appreciate who she is a whole lot more today than I even did when she was 20. I'll tell you that straight up. But... What he's saying is, look, you got to keep on keeping on. This doesn't go away. And again, I'll say a little bit more about that tomorrow to the guys. That We're not looking to get to the point where we aren't tempted. It's like, is there ever going to be a day where I'm, I'm just not tempted? I haven't reached that yet. But, but again, I told you, I don't look at pornography anymore. And, and so 
you have to keep on keeping on. There are little things that, that I'm going to talk about tomorrow that we have to do. Little, real little things that, that make a tremendous difference. And I've always got to keep doing those same things. I keep bouncing my eyes, keep my mind focused. I've always got to be doing those things. That's not, I'm convinced that I, that's never going to stop for me. I'm always going to have to keep reminding myself and doing those things. So it's, it's, this, it's a lifelong pursuit for sexual purity. And in this journey, you're going to need courage. You're going to need honesty. You're going to need humility. You're going to need commitment. And trust. And above all that, more grace than you can ever imagine. Lastly, and I so appreciate your kind attention. This is important stuff. It is to me. And I hope it is to you. But lastly, I want you to read these last three verses with me because here he gives us motivation to change. He says, For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. He ponders all of his paths. His own iniquities entrap the wicked man. He is caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die for a lack of instruction. And in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. Here's the motivation to change. God knows who you are. God knows your hearts. Hebrews 13 Four says that the marriage bed is undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Remember, I told you this is a very old sin and it's very prevalent. Uh, how often it's, it's mentioned three times as much as murder. Turn to the last chapter in the Bible, Revelation 22. Revelation 22, verse 14. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters. And whoever loves and practices a lie. When this is all said and done, where do you want to be? Inside with the Lord or outside with the dogs? You want the solution is? Stop being a dog and start being a man. Start being a woman after God's own heart. Really, in all of this, and maybe maybe I didn't even have to, but I just want you to see the ugliness of this sin. I want you to see how important it is for you to change your attitude, for you to change yourself, for you to dedicate yourself to climbing out of this pit. This pit 
that ensnares us. And maybe, I, I tell you, I have another hope as well. I look around, there's some, there's some young people here, some, some really young people. And man, I, I, I hope, I, I, man, I hope that, that I can tell you something that will keep you from ever going down this path. And again, I want you to know you can overcome. I don't say this as a pat on the back because I don't deserve it. But you're looking at somebody who used to look at pornography. And I don't anymore. And, and, and if somebody like me can do it with the Lord's help, I promise you, you can too. But you can't do it alone. You can't. And any change that you want to make in yourself will not last without strength and accountability from other people. Really, what, what's going to happen here is Teresa and I are going to give you this information, give you these things, and then we're going home. But the work for you should just be beginning. They're... they're very likely people here who are here that they want to learn how to help well listen if you learn how to help then help but this has to be kind of beginning that's what our hope is for this week and i pray that with the lord's help i've been praying for you guys on about this specifically over a year but that we can all get on the road that leads to sexual purity, that leads to a life of holiness, that leads to an eternal home in heaven together. May God bless us as we strive to do that. And again, thank you so much um, for your kind attention tonight.